0: Hi everyone. My name is Andrew Warner with Origami, where we help create DAOs. Before I got into business, I went to NYU and one of the classes that we were forced to take was a management class. And I didn't want to take management class, but they taught me how organizations function based on over a hundred years of trial and error and education and improvement. And it helped me learn where I fit in an organization, how an organization functions. And frankly, it just That kind of class helped other organizations grow. When it came time to joining a DAO, though, I noticed that there was no structure that was passed from one organization to another. Everyone's winging it, everything from the way that they structure their Discord server to who leads and how they lead and what happens. And maybe that was okay in the beginning when we were all fumbling through things, but joining me today is Renee Davis, who says it doesn't have to work that way. We now have experience. We have science. We have, frankly, ideas and best practices that we can bring in from before DAOs into DAOs. And Renee's been creating Talent DAO, an organization that helps bring all that to DAOs. I asked her to come on here and talk about What she's learned, how she works, how DAOs can do this well, and what the future of organizations within a DAO structure are. Renee, good to have you here.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here.
0: I think that it helps to understand how something works by looking at a specific example. Let's look at Gitcoin.
1: Gitcoin is essentially a fundraising platform to raise money for public goods and open source projects. It primarily raises on blockchain. So it's a crypto-based fundraising platform. And it uses a really cool thing called, called quadratic funding, which we don't have time to get into. But basically the way to understand it is the number of contributions you get is as important, if not more important, than the amount that people give you. I and mean, it's a way to raise money in a way that's more balanced and favors a diversity of contributions rather than just a few different whales. Platform. So Gitcoin jumped into our Discord server And essentially approached us and said, hey, we have this people operations team. We want to start surveying our contributors to better understand the health of our community, to better understand the progress that we're making on our goals. And really just to make sure that we're boosting engagement overall. So last year, we developed something called the Dow Health Survey, which was a funded project by Ocean Protocol. And we open sourced it, wrote a really nice report on it, and it's all hosted on a GitHub. And they essentially forked that and they said, hey, can we use this? And will you help facilitate it? Will you help with the analysis and the reporting? And we said, yeah, absolutely. So we've done all that for them. They're working the result right now. We are helping them build some benchmarking data. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what they learn and go from there. with them. But I think ultimately, like, that's exactly what we want to do is we want these DAOs to come to us, say, hey, I saw some research you posted or some content you created. I would really love to learn how I apply this to my DAO. And we want to be the people that help.
0: If they hadn't come to you, what would they have done? What's the alternative?
1: I think like the alternative is probably they would have had to create their own survey. So that's more time, obviously. So it would have been more time intensive. I also think people tend to take for granted good survey items. So a lot of people build surveys and developing a measure is as much an art as it is a science, right? So... When you think you're measuring something based on questions, you might actually not be. Believe it or not, so there is statistical analyses that go into building these instruments. It's a whole field of science called psychometrics. And I think today, a lot of DAOs have created their own health surveys and their own sort of engagement surveys, but they're not. Exactly. They're not confident that it's measuring what they say it's measuring. They're not doing a lot of analyses to better understand, like, is this actually predicting performance? They're not doing any sort of correlational type research. So I think what they probably would have done is they would have spent more time than they needed to creating a survey that may or may not be measuring what they want and may or may not actually predict what they want. And then six months from now, when they're really disappointed that they implemented all these onboarding practices or did all these different things, and the needle hasn't moved on their engagement or whatever they're measuring, they would probably come to us six months later and say, hey, we found your survey. We weren't going to use it because we thought we could save money. Actually, we really need your help. We do want to use it. I think that probably would have happened. And that's what I saw a lot of when I was in consulting
0: prior to web. With Gitcoin and any organization that would use you to help understand their members, what are they hoping that you're able to provide?
1: I think that there's probably two or three things. So one is there really isn't like a definitive measure or approach that seems to have been adopted as the gold standard in terms of like community health. So when we say community health, what do we actually mean? I tend to think of community health as what is the strength of the relationships within your network? And what is the level of cohesion and trust amongst those people in that network, right? So that's community health at the network level of the DAO. But then there's also individual health in the community level, right? So what are your stress levels look like? What's your psychological engagement look like? How do you feel? Do you feel like you have a sense of belongingness? So I think there's a lack of definitions. I think there's a lack of good process on how to go about storing data, in particular, PII, personal identifiable information. I think in crypto, we are we very we like very much having everything on the blockchain. Everything's public. You can't really do that with employee data, right? I don't want people to know everything about me and all my demographics and be on chain. So I think there are solutions starting to come into play that offer encrypted data storage and things like that. And obviously, like, you can have off-chain data that is verified on-chain, but none of that. There isn't really, like, a people analytics framework within Web3, which I think is very much needed. I think those would probably be two. I know I said two or three, but I think the two I want to focus on.
0: Let's talk about Deloitte Consulting and the other experience that you've had. How do organizations outside of crypto do this when they do it well?
1: When they do it well, I think it comes down to experimenting at the edges of the organization. And what I mean by that is most sort of enterprise level companies, they very much have a giant machine that they need to influence. And that machine can only go so fast. You can't just switch a process entirely at a company and roll it out in a day or two like you can at a DAO, where it's like DAOs are kind of like a giant experiment. They're constantly changing, constantly doing things, right? You can go to any sort of major DAO and there's always a new governance proposal up. Traditional organizations can't really disrupt themselves that much. But what I think they're doing better than DAOs is like learning to experiment on the edge. And this is a whole concept people have written about it in books and management theory. And it's like the idea of a network, right? An organization as a network, you have people at the center and core that are keeping the system running. And then you have people at the edge that are like on the edges of the organization. They might be individual contributors. They might be in a niche part of the organization. And there's really just no reason for them to be embedded in the core system. And then you have what's called like brokers and connectors, right? So brokers are these people that are like introducing two people in the organization to work together. Connectors are like connecting disparate parts of the group. And I think traditional organizations have realized that, hey, we do need to experiment and innovate and adapt. But we need to do it in a way that's an isolated experiment that we learn from that we understand and once we have some sort of process or product developed from that then we adopt it across the full organization and so far like i've only seen a few daos leverage that like what i would call like a very basic strategy to go to approach r&d and process improvement i think a lot of daos the reason they struggle is like they have a new proposal and they just roll it out to the entire organization under the assumption that it's just going to work and then it doesn't and then people are frustrated Mm -hmm. right and like you have like voter participation issues around quorum. You have like onboarding issues or engagement issues, or you have a Discord server with 4,000 people in it, but you only have 20 contributors, right? What is that? What happened? That disconnect happened. There has to be more people here. All of those problems I think could be remedied if they just implemented some basic sort of organizational strategy on how they approach their R&D and process improvement.
0: What are some of the things that you've noticed at work?
1: I think having a dedicated experimentation group is really important for organizations that want to be nimble and prepared for the future of work. I think that if you have some sort of people ops or HR team, they need to be embedded within tech and not isolated from it. And what I mean by that is how many companies do you know where like the CHRO, the chief human resource officer, and like the CTO, like they barely talk to each other. There is no tech enabled strategy for people, right? There is no people and there is There's a lot of tech that's built that humans aren't even in the consideration. So I think DAOs really need to understand that like strategy can no longer be an isolated thing based on what your business unit or vertical is. Like there's only one strategy. That's it. There's the DAO strategy. And I think that from my previous days, like organizations that do this get that. And they understand that if you want to become a better tech company, you have to become a better people company. And the companies that do that best have a dedicated experimentation group and have their people teams talk to their tech teams and are like forming relationships together.
0: When they are doing that, when their people and their tech are working together, when they have an experimental experiment group, what happens at that point?
1: There's been a ton of case studies on this. I think Spotify was very early on messing around with like agile teams and like remote work. Uh, Zappos has also done some stuff that would look very much like plutocracy and networks of teams, which I think is something that DAOs have a lot of. There is obvious performance improvements across organizations that leverage experimentation and focus on people in tech first. Engagement's gonna increase, turnover's gonna de- decrease, a sense of belongingness is gonna increase, right? So there's all these like positive outcomes related to people and their mm-hmm. psychological health but then there's also like real business mm-hmm. unit performance.
0: What does it look like when there's the right people team in place? How are they interacting with the DAO members that keeps the DAO members engaged, being fully productive and not dropping out of the whole thing after they signed up and explored for a day?
1: It's different for every DAO. It's very hard to ascribe some sort of like general indicator that a DAO is okay. doing this right. The DAOs that I've seen do it right, I They're engaging with their community in ways that are more meaningful than just necessarily like a community call or like once a month town hall. Obviously, there's an ongoing sensing muscle, right? So there's like different listening mechanisms in the DAO. So like surveys, I think having a help like a ticketing system when people have questions is super important. I think having dedicated community managers is super important. So that's what I would say like I've seen work so far is like focusing on onboarding one person at a time. Rather than trying to onboard the masses makes for a stronger, cohesive community in the long run. For the first like thousand people at Talent I literally, like up until two and a half months ago, I ran every single onboarding call every single week for an hour and a half. I, anybody that wanted to come say hi, I talked personally, onboarded them, shared all my knowledge and vision with them. And if you look at a traditional organization, the founder or CEO or whatever, like they would never be the ones to do employee onboarding and they wouldn't like personally sit down and talk with every single person. But I did. And I feel like that really helped us early on create a very like cohesive understanding of what our North Star is, and, like what we're trying to accomplish. And now when we do have a community call. Like I actually know the people on the community call. And like I was like, oh, I remember seeing you and I remember meeting you. How are you doing? And I think that level of intimacy is something that DAOs really should pursue.
0: What did you learn about their motivation for joining Talent DAO?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think there's people that are naturally curious about DAOs and they see Talent DAO as like a source of information. We have a really great newsletter that we write and ship once a month. That's all very much data-driven content around DAOs. We write our own original thought pieces and research, but then we also curate everything that's going on in the space. So if you don't have time to keep up, I always say, like, read our newsletter and at least once a month, you get a download for what's happened in that space and who the great thinkers are and what the new ideas are. So I think that's one group, right? These naturally curious people. The second group is like scientists themselves, right? Like people that mostly follow me on LinkedIn. I have a much larger following in Web2 Social. And they'll be like, what's a DAO? And, oh, I saw this thing you posted on LinkedIn. This is my first DAO. This is my first Discord. Like, that happens a lot. Like people at TalentDAO we're the first thing they interact with, right? They're research professionals. They're con- lifelong consultants. They've helped traditional organizations build really cool stuff for decades. But then they get to DAOs and it's completely new to them. So we help orientate them and onboard them. And then I think the third group is like DAO natives who they know they have a problem. They've heard of Talent DAO and they're there looking for specific resources rather than be actual support on advisory or implementation or that's just knowledge or it's even just community right there's a lot of people in this space we care about DAOs. we want them to succeed but it's exhausting like it is exhausting trying to build this industry and it's exhausting trying to explain to people outside of this industry why we're important and like why we're doing what we're doing so sometimes just having a community of like-minded researchers that want to see DAOs succeed turns out is a really helpful thing to have And I think that like we've been able to provide all three of those groups resources and community, which I think is super important right now.
0: Before we got started, you talked about the difference in perception of DAOs about a year ago versus today. What was it like before and what is it like now?
1: If I had to sum it up, I would say like we went from DAOs are the future of work. It's so exciting to DAOs are definitely not the future of work. They might be, but we have a lot to do to get there. Right. So that's the narrative. Even in my own excitement, if you go back a year or two ago and read the first article I ever wrote about why I got into crypto, like I was very optimistic, even like naive. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Best opportunity ever. Definitely the future of work. And I I do believe those things still. I would say that DAOs are the future of work. But we have to build a new operating system for work first for that to actually occur. So I think the sentiment has gone from like overly optimistic to rationally optimistic, maybe slash like nihilistic. I think I have a lot of good friends in this industry who were very big DAO contributors at like very well known DAOs who have actually like they're completely gone. They are just like, I need a break. DAOs really burnt me out this year. They've got a long way to go. I'm going to go hop into AI, or I'm going to go back to academia, or I'm going to get back in fintech. Maybe about a third of my sort of network in the space like they have left for that reason so i think that's really telling of like where this industry is at is this industry is burning people out as fast as we can find them so that's obviously not sustainable so i think right now we've come to this realization like this there's a huge amount of potential here but we have to really slow down and we actually have to build businesses right DAOs need revenue they can't just operate on good vibes and altruism like eventually there has to be some sort of incentive structure that creates a self-sustaining machine, right? And I that sounds so obvious, but it's taken us like 18 months to like really figure that out. Oh yeah, we can't just like poof a coin into existence. That's so 2020.
0: And so if it does have revenue, then what happens to those individual contributors who today are leaving? Walk me through that end vision.
1: I really hope some of those people do hop back into the industry. I think a lot of them are very optimistic that they can get back. To my knowledge, there's only like a handful of DAOs that actually are revenue generating. Or in particular, there's, I think, less than four that are actually profit generating. And what I mean by that is like the amount of protocol fees being developed outweigh the amount being spent, the amount to process the transactions, the amount to pay contributors, right? I think ENS is one of them. MakerDAO might be another. Mm-hmm. Most DAOs aren't. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I have a really good friend. His name's OX Justice. He just wrote an article about a protocol first strategy. And it's basically the idea that like DAOs need to quit acting mm-hmm. like communities and more like startups. And we had a really interesting debate on that because I slightly mm-hmm. disagree. I'm very much like a community first strategy approach to how I build my business. And I think that look at the last Gitcoin round, like, that was a community-based initiative to raise funds, and we raised more funds from more con- contributors than like any other DSi project, and it wasn't even close. And like people came to me and they said, how did you do that, Renee? I said, I didn't do anything. We focus on community. We focus on a vision. We focus on getting people excited about the future, and we focus on trying to create a sense of belonging. And if you look at the rest of the DSi projects, the majority are focused on trying to build something. And we are trying to build things too. But I think we're as much trying to build a movement as we are a product, right? We're as much trying to build a set of ideals and then sort of a philosophy around decentralized work culture. And I think that has really enabled us to, frankly, like the stronger your community, the more runway you have for product market fit discovery. Because if you don't have an engaged community and you don't have a product to solve a problem, like you're toast. You need at least one or the other so that you can focus on like getting the other one built while you're like leaning on the other one. If that makes sense.
0: It seems like what you're saying is you need both profit and community. If you don't have one, the other will compensate for a little bit, but ultimately you need to get to both. And so if you don't have any profit, your community better be so strong and such a group of believers that they could help bring about profit. If you don't, if you don't have community, you better hope that the profit and the revenues are enough to bring the right people in that will allow you to create that flywheel of the combination. And you're saying up until now, we've been thinking a lot about community and assuming the profits will be there. Maybe the token value will just grow naturally. We can't take that for granted anymore. We have to work on both community and we need to grow revenue. And if we do that, then we've got a self-sustaining organization that can that can do what? That can do what do you think that DAOs can do that businesses weren't able to do before?
1: i saw a really great tweet the other day and i wish i could quote who said it but i will certainly not take credit and it basically said if crypto only tries to affect finance it won't even disrupt finance but if it goes after non-financial use cases it'll disrupt the world and i think that was a really powerful way to think about what DAOs are actually here for i'm most excited about impact dows in particular sort of two areas one is novel solutions to funding public goods and social impact projects so i'm very excited about that and then also professional service does right so like decentralizing the ability for freelancers to work and like de-risking the ability to be an entrepreneur i think that's a big part of what we do at Talendow. is like a lot of us are entrepreneurs that like we were scared to take that jump by ourselves but now have a community of entrepreneurs, like it feels a little bit less scary and like we can pool our capital and we can pool our resources. So I think DAOs, the direction I would like to see DAOs is I want more impact DAOs funding public goods, fixing climate change, fixing science, like fixing investing in longevity research. And then I want to see more investment DAOs funding public goods, right? Because there are so many things in this world that need to be built and funded that can't necessarily operate under the expectations of a hard ROI, right? Like building an operating model that generates revenue under a nonprofit system is like far more nuanced and difficult than just building a for profit company, in my opinion. And if I go to a VC and I say, hey, I'm building this awesome thing, I want 2 million in pre seed capital, and they're probably not going to get any ROI on it because we're nonprofit, like how do you pitch? So we need more DAOs to answer that question and make that funding available.
0: You talked about Gitcoin. Why did you go after that grant?
1: The main reason was we were had the opportunity to actually participate in matching because it was the first ever d cause round, right? So up until now, Gitcoin has mainly focused on funding, crypto advocacy, climate, and just like infrastructure built on Ethereum in general. Last round back in like September, they, the small ecosystem, like we had been advocating for months, like hey, we really want a DCI round, and then we finally got a DSI impact round. And we, the fundraisers for that round, managed to raise about 500k in matching funds. And we were one of about 86 projects that got to participate in that. And what was really cool is, like, for every dollar that somebody donated to us, like we were getting like 10, 15, even 100 dollars in return, right? So I think it was a very high-impact opportunity for us to raise capital. Obviously, it's non-dilutive capital, right? Like, we're not giving away equity. And it was the first DCI round, right? We want to be a part mm-hmm. of the first DeSci. We're a DeSci DAO. So, of course, we want to be part of it. And then something really cool happened. We raised $50,000. And regardless of DCI, like, we were one of the top projects in the whole round. And there was, like, thousands of projects, right? And I can only say the community. That was the community, right? Because we're pre-product, we're pre-token. We're, we've done a few services and case studies, but I would say we're mostly pre-revenue. So like the only thing to explain what we did is community. And so I think that was really powerful and super exciting
0: for us. What did you say you were going to do with the money? And then what did you end up doing with it?
1: I'll break it out until we had like product ambitions. We had like operations and legal needs. And then we had some like education and grant needs. So I'll start with what I think we did really well. And then I'll end on the things I think we need to keep working on. Overall, I would say we accomplished about 98% of what we said we were going to. So we said we needed to form new legal structures because we really want to protect our members. And right now we have Wyoming LLC here in the U.S. And after a few things that occurred, places like CFTC and SEC, I just didn't feel confident launching a token under a U.S. company. Um, So we partnered with a really awesome organization called MyDAO. And then also we partnered with LexDAO, which is like a collective of lawyers. And we formed an entity overseas in the Royal Marshall Islands, which is where the majority of the Mm -hmm. marina industry actually incorporate. So it's outside of U.S. jurisdiction, but it's still like not blacklisted by the U.S. government. They have a great relationship. The baseline legal structure is actually based on like Delaware C-Corp. It's very familiar. Most businesses and like lawyers recognize it so like we have that form we are working to finalize the operating model to file it but all payments have been made everything's set up so i think we nailed that one we wanted to work a little bit on our operations in the sense that like we were short-staffed on like the project management and like ops support side of things right so like we have a ton of researchers and like high quality scientists and consultants and developers we don't have a lot of operations support. So we wanted to hire some interns and we wanted to hire about three. And we did that. Actually, our third hire just went through about two weeks ago and we committed to hire diversely. Um, we explicitly said we want to mm-hmm. try to hire people, give them opportunities. And I'm excited to say that, right? Like we hired two people from South America, people of color that are big contributors at Dow. I wrote a recommendation letter for one. He got into grad school. He got this amazing scholarship from Chile. And I have no doubt in my mind, he's gonna become a very influential doubt thinker in what is a very early developing country in crypto. And then we also just hired a grad student from the US who's actually a foreign exchange from India, right? So like we have a lot of diverse talent and we didn't even hire anybody native to the US. And that to me is amazing. So I think we nailed our legal and our ops goals. And then also like on the education and grant side of things, we wanted money to help fund what we're already doing. Right. So like we have over a dozen community led research projects. We've published like over 75 pieces of content at this point related to DAOs. And most of that work mm-hmm. has been done for free or like minimal funding via community grants from our protocol grants. Right. So we wanted to reward retroactively some of that good work, right? So we dedicated pooling of funds to a research guild and to evolve and decentralize further our governance. Like we set up multi-sigs and created a non-transferable reputation system for NFTs that these DAOs can now use at the guild level to make decisions with these funds, right? So one of our goals was we want to decentralize our DAO further and want to give fund back to the community so they can keep doing the research they're doing without having so much oversight from the centralized treasury of multi-stakeholders. And we did, I think we nailed that one. And then the last thing we said is we have this product that we're building, which is called the Journal of Decentralized Work. You can think of it as like the intersection of traditional scientific publishing and social media, right? So like it is a web three social platform built for researchers to publish their content. And it leverages a peer review process within the social media layer itself. Right. So it's not some like slow, boring process where you submit an article and you wait a few weeks or even months. You're getting feedback in real time from your network that's verifiable because the people interacting on this app have established verified credentials and reputation based on their academic performance and like what they know. We indicated that we would be in beta by now. We definitely missed that mark. There's a lot of reasons for that. mainly our lead dev got very sick. I was very worried about him. Luckily, he recovered three and a half, four weeks later. And also, we just had a few product pivots. It's hard building this stuff. Some of the technology we needed to exist, didn't exist until the last quarter of 2022. And I think that slowed us down. So we're hoping to launch private beta this next month. We would really like to launch in time for each member. So that's going to be our new target date. But I do think like we could have done a much better job trying to get to that product launch. So I hope to see this next Gitcoin round, assuming it goes well. I hope we can dedicate more resources to that and really double down on trying to get a few more developers. That would say that's a pretty good status update on everything we've done. We've done a few different like experiments as well. We used some of the money to fund a writer's mm-hmm. cohort for a training program to give back to our community. We also funded some open source tooling development by raid guild we built some really cool governance tooling using gnosis safe and zodiac which is like this framework to automate mm-hmm. gnosis safe transactions and then yeah just like building out a lot of stuff for ETH denver we've got our own hacker house where we sponsored ETH denver so we used a little bit of the money to sponsor ETH denver we're sponsoring Day. we're the ones leading the main social and we're also having a little private party for people that have given a lot to our community, right? So we've got a huge allow list of people that we think should already be there.
0: What makes a DAO work? What have you noticed in leading your DAO and also helping others understand how to function better?
1: I think it depends on what type of DAO you're building. For the type of DAO I was building, I would say like we were building a professional services DAO with like very niche knowledge expertise. So like my focus was building a cohesive group of specialists and then building out from there to create the supporting architecture for them because at the core of talent dao is research right over the last year like most of my energy went into building a very strong talented core group of people that can run the research guild right so i always say i describe a dao as like a human body and like the anatomy of it like for us the research guild is our heartbeat And, like, we spent the last year, like, building out all the arteries and the veins and, like, the supporting organs. And now, like, we really need to focus on building all the muscles and actual supporting organs and the bones of the organization, right? So, like, first we built specialists and scaled that. Now we're focused on mostly business growth and sales, right? So now I'm really, a lot of my energy recently has been focused on trying to build our marketing guild and build out like a really strong team of business growth people. And then like, I've also spent a lot of energy on writers. Like we have a writer's guild now. And like, I think that's really important because like media and content, I think a newsletter is a product in search of market fit. So like that, I would say that is a very wordy way of saying that's how I think about Dow's is what is your main bread and butter? Build a very strong body of experts and then figure out how to scale
0: it. You know, take me to how you got your early members. Where did they come from?
1: Two places, Bankless DAO, because I am is a very very early contributor, like probably one of the first fifty. So I just had a really unique opportunity to know like everybody. And when I said I wanted to start a DAO, like I had hundreds of people from Bankless DAO join the server. So that's one part. And then the second did one. You, so
0: this was you going into the Bankless DAO Discord and saying, "Hi team, I've got this side project I'm working on that I expect to be really big." That's what it was. Okay.
1: And then the second one was from my professional web two background in LinkedIn. I have been for 10 years telling my story about how I want to become an organizational researcher. And I've worked in public mm-hmm. sector, private sector, academia. I've done failed startups, entrepreneurship. I've got several thousand, like about 10,000 connections on LinkedIn. So I say, Hey, I'm going to start this thing. Here's what it is. At least a third of my network is organizational psychologists working in consulting so they thought this was really cool so they hopped into it and what was really interesting about that initial capital like that initial human capital that came in to the DAO is like you have a group of one of the most passionate web3 savvy DAO native hardcore people in the space bankless DAO just the term bankless is very radical like to live without a bank And then you have some of the smartest organizational strategists in the world with scientific backgrounds that are very hungry to learn about this. So, like, I think our community started so strong because, like, we had the people we needed to implement, and we had the people we needed to teach how to be better in Web three. So, our community is like very much and very much has roots in the Bankless movement, and also has a very strong base of researchers and scientists. I think that gave us a competitive advantage. People tell me all the time, like, I've read your stuff. I've seen your team. I've looked up their LinkedIn. You guys are serious, right? I don't know a founding team that has half a dozen PhDs on the core team, right? You guys have done some crazy stuff. Half my team, like, somebody leads data science at SpaceX. I've got another person who works at Microsoft. I came from Deloitte. Like another person who taught at University of Minnesota. Yeah. This is like the number one I.O. program in the country for org psychology. That is very rare to see. I mean, Renee, was that
0: you them. courting them individually?
1: Yeah. So I'm smiling a lot because no, that wasn't it. Actually, so this is one of the coolest things ever. Out of like the twelve core people on my team, I only actively knew two of them, and I only actively recruited three of them. The rest all found Okay. They found me on Twitter. They found me on LinkedIn. They found me on a different DAO discord server. They found, they found me and they said, Hey, I want to help you. And I said, Hey, cool. A lot of people say that they want to help me. And then we have intro call and then I never hear from them again. So yeah, awesome. And those people have been with me working their butts off for 18 months now. So yeah, I I'm immensely appreciative. And I trust them with my life and they're amazing. And I think that alone is just amazing. Right. Like. You never have a founding team, scale a startup, build a community of thousands of people across the world. It's how long have you guys known each other? How many businesses have you started together? Or how do you meet? It's like, they just jumped in and wanted help. That's exactly what happened.
0: You've made a mental list of things that are important for DAOs to keep in mind as they're building. Walk me through that.
1: Separating out membership versus contributorship. Most DAOs leverage a token that defines their membership, right? You own. X amount of tokens, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's a bunch. I own a token, that makes makes me a member. And pretty much every DAO has utility for that token. And usually one of those talking points is, oh, you get governance over the DAO. Right? That's a member. Okay? But then we have a contributor. A contributor is somebody who actually is working in the DAO, who's embedded in the daily operations, who understands the organizational strategy and whose contributions directly impact the direction of the DAO, right? So that's the difference. The problem is that distinction has not really been made across most DAOs. And what ends up happening is you have members who are not contributors making decisions about people that are contributors that don't actually affect them. So here's my silly example I always use to explain if this was Web 2, how ridiculous it would be. I'm the head of a marketing department. And like, I know I need to hire XYZ people. And like, I want to restructure my department. Like I wouldn't call a giant board meeting and like email all the shareholders and stockholders and say, Hey, I really need you to vote on this. I really need you to decide who I hire and like how I structure my department. We would never do that. This doesn't make any sense. We hired those people to do those things. We trust those people to do those things. And they're their expertise right so like why as somebody like if i buy amazon stock that necessarily entitle me to decide what the head of marketing does with their organization but that's exactly how we're running daos today we're treating stakeholders and shareholders as organizational managers and that makes no sense because they don't actually participate in the actual work and bankless dao has learned this like very painfully and like we spent a lot of energy architecting a new system to make those distinctions, right? So, like when I started Talent DAO, from the from the beginning, I was like, I, "Okay, contributorship, membership, absolutely separate." What's possibly the most explicit way we could do that? And we decided we're going to have a token, an ERC twenty that's fungible, that is for our membership. We're going to make it super simple. You just have to own one. This is some like money thing. You own just one, you're a member. And here's what members get to do. They get to decide on the resources of the DAO. But once those resources actually get to those guilds, then have governance rights on how they use them. And the governance system that guilds use are actually ERC-721s that are non-transferable. So our actual everyday organizational decision-making is based on reputation and contribution and is anti-civil resistant. Our grants program and our seasonal spec budgets that the guilds submit to the membership community is voted on by the talent token holders. And I think that distinction makes it super clear. It also reduces security risk because the value of our token is completely independent of the work being performed because they don't use that token in their work. They use a reputation NFT that has no monetary value that can't be transferred. I think the difference between fungible and non-fungible tokens like use fungible tokens. They work great for like large sort of resource-based decision-making, but they don't really make sense when you're making like basic organizational decisions, right?
0: You've mentioned the future of work a bunch online. Where do you ideally see us all going?
1: I own E, which is one of the many pseudonyms I use across socials. I think the future of work is decentralized work, but not for everyone. And I think like DAOs are not the future of work in their current state because I don't think organizations are necessarily the part that is decentralized. I think it's the work itself and the workers that are decentralized. And what I mean by that is let's use Talent DAO as an example. Talent DAO as it currently stands, right? I'm not talking about post-token launch with our foreign entity. As it currently stands, it is a U.S.-based company that is fully digital fully centralized i am the only member managed member manager on the account right so like on paper this is a benevolent dictatorship and the reason it's worked so well is because the benevolent dictator in charge has 10 years of organizational design experiment experience right it's like we got lucky that is not fully decentralized right and we don't plan to eliminate the centralized entity just because we go token launch. So I think like DAOs as they currently stand, like everyone has this idea that the end goal is to be like completely like regimeless, entity-less. I don't necessarily believe that. I think what actually is gonna be decentralized is the work itself. And what I mean by that is you as an individual now have the ability to build what I call your personal network stack, where if you want, Five part time gigs to be your one full time job, you have that option. Now, right. And a lot of people like that won't work for everybody. Some people want stability. They just want to wake up, go to their one job, get paid, come home. Right. And because of that want, those types of work arrangements will not become obsolete. So I think it's silly to say DAOs are the future of work. We're not going to have traditional centralized work institutions. I do think that we will have a future where gig working and entrepreneurship becomes far more accessible. And I think that you will have a lot of side gigs that emerge because you're going to, it's going to be so much easier to pull capital with your friends without any trust required. Right. And so I think like you're going to see way more investors and you're going to see way more gig workers. You're going to see way more freelancers. Traditional organizations are going to start adopting decentralized governance models, right? So Microsoft is never going to become a DAO, but they might leverage a blockchain-based voting system for product feature requirements, right? That could be cool. Maybe they have right. a sub-DAO for their customer discovery platforms or something. That makes total sense to me. So I think that's what right. the future of work is. It's th- the future of work is more decentralized work culture and decentralized governance processes and decentralized pooling of capital. And it's not so much decentralized organizations themselves, because so far what I've found at the end of the day, the best way to create a legitimate decentralized community is to have a legitimate legal protection layer on top of that community. And to do that well,
0: you need to have some sort of centralized. Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking here about different organizations within a DAO and how they work together. You mentioned my DAO. I interviewed the founder of my DAO and I did a did a bunch of research to try to understand how it worked, why the Marshall Islands, and then once you get it, it's worth the investment if you do it right, because you're protecting your people and you're protecting yourself and then you're protecting the institution that you're putting together with this community.
1: Exactly right. Back in October, I had made a big push for the token. So I was on podcasts, Twitter spaces, like saying the token is coming this month, we're ready, contracts are done, they're audited, let's go. And then we didn't launch, right? So like I was getting DMs and messages, like emails mm. on the wall. It's, hey, what's happening? Did you quit? Is this a rug? When token, right? And I just got so overwhelmed from that. I just tweeted from the talent out account. And I was like, when token you ask, it's like when the core team feels fully confident that we have the legal entity and operating model in place that fully protects our members and from any liability, full stop. That's your answer. Once we are ready to go, we will go. But launching a token that keeps it to where members are liable to be sued, like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to be the next Sam Bankman Freed. I want to be somebody who actually is known in the organization, in the DAO space, set it up and did it right.
0: When do you think that would be? I see your tweet from November 29th. When token you ask, the answer is simple. When the founders feel comfortable they've put in place the necessary legal structures and operating model to protect our members, full stop. When do you think that would happen?
1: So I don't want to make any more promises because I don't want to miss those deadlines. To be fair, we waited around for the merge for five years when Vitalik said every single year it was coming. So I would say that we will have some big announcements at East Denver, and we will be launching things at okay. East Denver. Rather that be okay. a token or a Genesis NFT or the product itself, I'm not going to say, but there will be something that's going to be very much a hard launch and it's going to be a big deal.
0: Yeah, I see James Sinka, who I know from Orange Dow says absolutely the right call. And it feels like the response that you got to that was really strong. Thanks for being on here.
1: Thanks so much, Andrew, for having us.